Before we get started with today's podcast, we'd like to ask returning listeners to leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, share a link to this podcast with friends or family who would enjoy hearing our weekly discussions about basketball and basketball culture. Now, on to the show. Yeah, this is amazing. When Michigan can keep this game to a 19-foot-9-inch game, inside that three-point line, it's all there. From the bench is back on the 199 podcast. I'm the Chucker, 199's resident historian, and we are thrilled to have former Georgia Tech Hooper David Nelson on the show today. A 5'10 guard out of Syracuse, David ventured south to Atlanta in 2000 to pursue an engineering degree at Georgia Tech, where he earned a walk on spot with the Yellow Jackets program as a sophomore and was a member of the program for three seasons. During David's senior campaign in 2003 2004, the Yellow Jackets made a memorable run to the Final Four. There, Tech inch past, inch past Georgia Tech. Uh, don't worry. There, Tech inch past Oklahoma State before suffering a nine-point loss to UConn in the national title game. In this installment of 199's Tales from the Bench, we chat with David about his walk-on experience at Tech, teammates like Chris Bosch and Jarrett Jack, why Tech wanted Duke and not UConn in the national title game, as well as the emotions of nearly winning a national title. Let's welcome in David Nelson. David, thanks for carving out some time for 199 and joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Chucker, thanks for uh, having me on. All right, man. Well, I mean, let's start just nice and simple, man. How's life in Atlanta, life during the pandemic? And most importantly, have you been able to head over to the varsity for some grub? <laughs> yeah, varsity. Varsity is the first place I ever went when I came down to Georgia Tech. But life in the pandemic, I'm sure I'm sure it's a lot like everybody else. I kind of feel like it's a little bit like pinky in the brain. Like, what are we going to do today? brain and it's like try to take over the world it's like same thing every single day i just take my kids to school carry the carry my makeshift desk into my son's room and and set up my office and and do that every day but (laughs) i'll say i've been uh been really fortunate we've got this i guess what we call a little bit of a trust cluster early in the pandemic with friends around the neighborhood and that where we just we all kind of hunkered down and and were able to see each other and still have a good bit of social activity, but but in maybe a safer way. And so, feels like we're getting out of the out of out of it a little bit. I saw my mom for the first time in a year a couple of weeks ago, and my wife's family's gotten the first round of vaccines. So, oh, sweet. Hopefully well, things we're, are hopefully we're moving along. No kidding, man. Hopefully, there's some light here as we kind of inch our way out of this. So. So let's uh, let, let's kind of begin our talk with tales from the bench here about how a kid from Syracuse uh, ends up as a walk on at Georgia Tech. So how did this all come about for you? Yeah, so I grew up in in Syracuse, New York. Huge Cuse fan and big Big East fan. Certainly, growing up, basketball. You know, it's it's cold pretty much all year round, uh, and in the summertime, it's beautiful outside. So basketball was just it seemed like a it was just a sport I wanted to play. Baseball, I think I threw out my arm every year trying to throw in like the cold. So it was just brutal. And and I, I couldn't do that for very long. But loved basketball, you know, had ups and downs throughout my career, you know, going through middle school and, and high school. And then I'm graduating high school and played 
played well, but knew I wasn't going to be going to the pros or anything. And so I was choosing school for school and uh, looked at Georgia Tech. I wanted to go to school for engineering. Georgia Tech was was in the South. It was away from home. It was it was warm. I think every school I visited in New York had like double pane glass or like underground tunnels to get from class to class. And that was just, if you need an underground tunnel to get from one room to the other or one building to the other, cause it's cold, that just didn't seem like something I was very interested in. Um, but, but chose, chose tech. It was in a big city, Atlanta. And, and it also had a, had a basketball program. It was in the ACC. And I would say probably last on my list, was well, you know, it is a Division One school. It's it's got basketball. Maybe there's a chance that that I could play. I ended up being really fortunate in getting to play, but but chose it certainly for the engineering school. Well, how did it happen that you make the team as a walk on? I mean, because you come there and you hope you could walk on, but what kind of connection? How did that all get facilitated for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I come down in the first year when I was growing up and playing. You know, in high school, I was playing pickup basketball a lot with the Syracuse University team. And, you know, summertimes, these college basketball programs will, will typically have several people, few people, high school students or high school, yeah, high, high school kids or other college kids playing, you know, pickup basketball, really anybody that's around. And so I was able to play with them, met one of the assistant coaches through that who made a call down to Coach Hewitt because Coach Hewitt had been from from had been up in New York for a while before going down to Georgia Tech. And so made a call to him when I went down to Tech, actually my first year, I'd met with Coach Hewitt and he said, I think they had three point guards my freshman year already. One of them was a junior, you know, starter. And and he told me to try out, but you know, that year they didn't really need a point guard. And so I didn't play my I didn't play basketball my first year. I probably did the same freshman thing that everybody else did and played intramural basketball. Met another guy uh, on the on just I guess on the blacktop on top of a parking deck and and to, it was a sophomore and he said hey we want to play on my intramural basketball team it was funny as he told me he already had a point guard on the team and I was like ah, I think I'll be the point guard but um, played with him and actually he and I were the two that walked on to the team the next year because that following year. Uh, in the summertime again, but then leading up to before tryouts, I met with Coach Hewitt again. A couple of the other point guards had graduated. There was one point guard remaining who was going to be the senior. That was Tony Akins. And and the coach said, why don't you just start working out with the team and play pickup with them and just act like you're on the team. We'll still go through a tryout process, but um, start playing with the team. And I did that and tried out and made the team. And, and it was a just an awesome year. So you're kind of, you know, hooping with these guys at Tech, but you had this experience of doing it previously at Syracuse. So you had seen, you know, big time college basketball players up close. Just kind of what were your initial impressions of that? Because, you know, a lot of guys, it's like, well, I see guys at my high school and some other high schools. Here you were seeing, at least in, in these informal settings, you know, these top tier talents. What was your impression of those guys? Yeah, it's 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 a lot different than high school, and um, the all the guys are a lot. It's it's like the best guy from each high school is there, right? And so they're they're all a lot bigger. I mean, I'm five nine. I know you said I was five ten. That's probably a little bit of a little bit of a stretch there, but uh, I mean, 
The program yeah, lifted you up, man. The program lifted yeah, you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just a short, slow, you know, five nine guy. And so these, you know, these guys are they're big. I mean, it's just funny. This one, one guy's coming in from Birmingham or Montgomery, Alabama, and um, Anthony McHenry, and he's six seven, and he's coming in as a point guard. And we're playing pickup, and it's like, Dave, you're guarding him. I'm like six seven like the tallest guy on my team in high school was like six four and he played like center and shooting guard right and so um you know i'm guarding someone that's six seven and then there's other guys who are six six and you know in high school i'm throwing throwing lobs to guys and you gotta i mean you gotta put the ball right on the rim because if they're gonna catch it it needs to be right there you get to college and you know we've got someone who's six six with a 40 inch vertical like 40 plus inch vertical and in hang time that, you know, you can throw the ball anywhere. I mean, I, 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 my, my accuracy can, is, does not need to be there, let's just say. And so, <laughs> so, so it was great because I like passing the ball. I like playing point guard and kind of distributing it. And I could come down and almost throw the ball wherever, however, bounce it, Ellie, whatever, whatever you needed to do. I mean, I remember playing with Akeem Warwick one time and it's like, He's bounced the ball from half court and he's going to catch it because he's just going to catch it. Like Ismail Muhammad at Tech, I mean, he's wherever you're going to put it, they're going to catch it. And so uh, it was it was a lot of fun and complete different environment. <laughs> so you make the team as uh, you're a sophomore. So this is the 2001-2002 season. That's your first year on the squad. You guys go 15 and 16. What was kind of noteworthy about that season for you? What kind of sticks out there? Yeah, it's a it kind of goes back to the first question in, in around, you know, what, what's the impression uh, of these guys? So, so I come in, I'm, pl- I'm just blown away. Like our high, my high school team was, was a really good high school team. We went to semifinals in state or something. I come to college. I'm like, wow, all these guys are significantly better. Right. And um, I'm just blown away by, you know, their approach to the game and how they're playing and their, and they're just athleticism and ability. Right. Then we get into the season and and we're losing a lot of games. Like I had not lost games before, right? Um, we'd won most of our games in high school and went in by 30. And and then I'm meeting guys who are even better than that. Yet we go into the season and, and we're and we're losing games. And and you have you're like, wow, this is a huge big time college, you know, basketball program in the ACC. I think, you know, one example would be you you fly out, it's Thanksgiving. So there's usually a Thanksgiving tournament. We fly to Vegas. I'm like, this is exactly what I thought college basketball was going to be like, right? You go to Vegas, you fly in, but then you kind of, but then like reality sets in. And so you're in Vegas, but I'm 20, 19, 20 years old. So you got to like, you're in a hotel that's a casino, but you can't go past the white line because you're not old enough to gamble or drink or any, I mean, it's like, you have to do that. You can't really go see anything because you're shuttled from place to place in a bus and, and you're there for business. I mean, it's, it's a, you're there to work, right? You're not there to go hang out in Vegas. And so, so then you go to work and we go to a high school gym to play Illinois. And I mean, we get destroyed and um, thinking halftime, someone tossed a, uh, you know, you're sitting there, everyone's got their head hung and one of the managers tosses a Gatorade in a, like a full Gatorade bottle. I think it was to like Marvin Lewis to catch, you know, to, to get a drink. Marvin's not even looking up. It hits him right in the face. And it's just like, you're just sitting there going, Oh wow. So this is a lot more serious and um, a lot more work than you really thought it was going to be. Um, Cause there's great guys, but 
there are great guys across the country and even better ones who have been working harder and for longer. I mean, we were a really young team, a lot of freshmen, you know, few sophomores. And so um, there was a, a lot that we had to learn. Yeah. You know, that uh, Illinois game, you only lost by 39 at Valley High School. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. You know, and I think we came back and, and, and followed it up, you know, the next day with with another uh, a, a really strong you know, loss to uh, St. Louis. Louis. And then, and then the next game we come and we play Wisconsin at home. And I think we're losing that game at halftime. And and I think the coach at that point had, had had it right. It was like, you guys are better than, I mean, we may not be the best team in the league, but we're, we're better. We're better than this. Right. Takes a Gator, another Gatorade bottle, throws it through the, uh, the, 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 the little, whiteboard right that's sitting in the middle of the it goes i mean literally hits the whiteboard and goes through it and like puts a hole of a gatorade bottle in it keeps going hits the tv in the background and he walks out we turn it around we win the game by like a point i think yeah and now we're happy right we finally are winning a game and we won it and we won it at home and it was great we get up to the locker room and he's standing there and he's like don't take anything off we're going back downstairs <laughs> it's like oh we got to go down and run. Oh, and it was not, like, not giving you credit just, for not for inch, not a win over a good Wisconsin. It's, it's never easy to beat the Badgers. <laughs> no, and it's not, but it's when it's, when things are down, they're just down and, and you are just working harder and harder and you just got, it's, it was just a real, I just think that early, you know, those early losses, those, that work that was put in, in those early years taught certainly these freshmen who were, you know, coming out thinking they were, you know, some of the better players in the country, uh, they learned a lot from that experience, which I think carried over, you know, call it two, three years later. And in, in when we actually made the final four run. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's the 2001, 2002 season that we just chatted about. So when you get into the following season, uh, some notable dudes show up. One is Jared Jack. Another is this wiry, lean freshman from Dallas named Chris Bosch. Uh, I, I assume people have heard about him. Uh, what was your <laughs> yeah. first impression of Bosch? You know, he's one of the top recruits in the country. He comes to a team that's 15 and 16. But what are your first impressions of Bosch in particular? Yeah, so I, you know, I don't really follow. I, I'm probably not the closest in following know exactly which freshmen are all Americans and what rank they exactly were and what their and stats were. this is also were. pre-YouTube clips and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and so, so, you know, I, I probably had just gotten a phone at that time, you know, um, and the phone made a phone call and that was it. So there wasn't, you know, I just, I wasn't as dialed in. I'm probably, you know, in some engineering book, uh, you know, doing things, that, you know, that I really didn't want to do, studying and all that. But anyway, so Chris comes in. And certainly when you see him, it's like 6'11", a big guy, not, you know, not a huge guy in terms of like, you know, strength and all that. I mean, he's a young kid. He's, he's a kid, but, but he comes in and so you see him, you're like, okay, this is, I mean, this is not a, this is a big dude. Um, but the first impression was playing pickup basketball. And, and again, I, I barely knew his name. I didn't even know the hype around it. Right. And so I catch a, get a ball off a rebound. Chris runs the floor and I throw kind of a full length pass, full court pass to, to Chris. He's about follow line extended. So I'd say he's just inside or right at the three point line, um, you know, on the arc. And 
he catches the ball over his head. So, um, you know, imagine I'm throwing like a football over a receiver's head and he catches it over his head, stops on a dime, dribbles it between his legs, shoots the ball, swishes it. And it was like, you know, I looked at Marvin, who I was pretty, I was really close with. And, and I was like, who is that? And he, he was like, that's Chris. He's only going to be here one year. And I was like, okay. And, and I, just that, the whole thing, and it may not seem like a big deal. Uh, and again, like I just got done saying, all these guys are incredibly athletic, incredibly talented and, and amazing. But there's about five things that happened in that sequence that to me was just like very different than other people. I mean, first of all, you've got a six eleven guy who's running down the floor and beating people down the floor. Right. I mean, and, and running in like very smooth. Okay. And then, and then he's able to catch a ball over his head running and stop on a dime. So now you've got this, this enormous person who can run smoothly and has the body control to, to, to stop himself immediately. But not only that, be able to dribble between his legs, again, something that is not common, um, and then shoot it. And whether he made it or not probably doesn't even matter because all of those things are amazing. But then he switches the shot, and I'm just like, okay, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're he's good. That guy's unbelievable. <laughs> You know, and even with, uh, you know, Bosch, who obviously ends up being a, a, you know, a top five pick the following year. And it's always so crazy to me. You go from like eating in the dining hall with him to, you know, a few months later, the dude's a millionaire uh, just like that. But um, but even with <laughs> Bosch, uh, you know, tech hovers, you guys kind of hover around 500 for much of the year. You win a few games in the NIT. You finish 16 and 15. So only a one game improvement from the previous season. Um, but by most accounts, you know, that'd be a pretty, pretty mildling season for a power five school. You know, especially one, like I said, with Bosch on the roster. But is is that how you guys saw it internally? Yeah, it's you'd certainly from the outside looking in say, holy cow, this is a number three, four pick. It's I mean, he's unbelievable. He's unstoppable. I mean, I think he had the highest, you know, make percentage in the I mean, he's the ACC rookie of the year. He's the, one of the highest make. I think he was the highest make you know, made basket percentage in the, in the ACC. I mean, it's just all this, it's all these accolades around him. Right. And so on the outside looking in, you'd say, I mean, these guys are, why, how could they not make the, the NCAA tournament or, or do even better than, than they did. And, but from the, you know, when you're on the inside and certainly if you pay a good bit of attention to college basketball and specifically, you know, the ACC, it's just a, it's a, I mean, every game is a is a dogfight. It is a super intense uh, conference, and and when you looked at our team, we were young. I mean, we had a lot of freshmen who had just you know moved up to be sophomores who had gone through a tough year the year before, but learned a lot. We had a freshman point guard who, and and I know we just talked a lot about Chris Bosh, but Jared Jack, I mean, six three point guard, it just you know complete pro, and but he's a freshman. And I mean, he's going up against junior, senior point guards and the ACC has got great guard play. And so it's, you know, it's with freshmen like that, sometimes, frankly, it was just hard to get Chris the ball, you know? Um, I mean, you got to be able to get Chris the ball for him to do what he can do. And in, in going up against some of the guards with the young guys that we had, it, it was, it was difficult. And so, 
um, really what that year was, was, was just a massive learning year. And, and for us internally, I think when we got done with the year, we really started to see how, how things were changing. I mean, we learned a lot and, and also Will Bynum had, you know, transferred, you know, that year and, and was on the bench for the year. But so we had, we had Chris and we had Jarrett and we had Will, um, all who are, you know, became pros, but were absolute pros in their approach to, to the game of basketball. And I, and I think what we learned and what, and, and I don't know if people know or see this, but I know I would think this, like, you know, I, I would go in and practice and, and want to get better. And in the, in the program's schedule, is completely incredibly rigorous. I mean, you're waking up at five or six a.m. to work out. You've got individual sessions. You have to go to class. You have to study. You have practice. You have film sessions. I mean, it is a completely packed full day. The guys who are the best on the team, Chris, Garrett, and Will, they're the ones. Not not the guys who are fighting for additional time, but some of the best guys on the team. Marvin, Ismail, BJ. You know, these guys are spending. They're in the gym still at 3 a.m. playing. They're practicing. I mean, the, the amount of hours and the amount of time that Jarrett spent watching film to perfect their craft because they knew they were going somewhere else and, and this is what was this is this is what it took to be the best it was just unbelievable. And so what we learned, what the team learned from how to approach you know, getting better and being prepared through that year, despite the fact that maybe we didn't have some of the success during the year, at least on the, you know, on the scoreboard by the end of the year, I think the team was a completely different team than when it started. And uh, I think it was a lot more ready for the next year. And so how did that impact kind of the expectations heading into the 2003, 2004 season? Well, you know, if, if, if Chris would have came back, which, I mean, you're a number three, four pick. You're not coming back, um, and and that's absolutely the right decision. But if he, he, he was only there for back, one year, as Marvin promised, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if he was coming back, I, I think our expectations going in would have been extremely high. I think. I mean, Jared had grown up a year. Everybody else had grown during that year. Everyone had been. Will's playing. now on the court for you guys. Will's on the court. We've we've the competition internally has increased the how everyone is just so much better. We're more together. Uh, we've bought into the system, which is incredibly important at that point. And, and I think we would have gone in with, with very high expectations. Chris leaves and it's like, okay, that's a major hole, um, you know, in that front court. And so going in, I think we, we had confidence in ourselves because everybody um, had gotten a lot better. We had great guard play. Uh, we did have good big men. I mean, Luke Schenzer was coming in at seven one, and it, it's kind of interesting. Even and like back then, I think this was a little bit more rare, but now you hear of it a lot more. Kind of like the total body, total person that that these athletes are doing. But like back then, even in that that last year, Luke had done a good bit of like sports psychology, <laughs> um, going to see like a sports psychologist to like, and that even that helped him incredibly to get out of a place where he was. To, to kind of visualize himself stepping up and being ready. And I think you'd see that in, you know, at least three to five games. I mean, all throughout the season, but there were three or four games that Luke came out huge for us. And so 
um, everyone just, you know, stepped up the level of play. And when Chris left, everyone looked around and was like, okay, we can't just rely on, you know, the number one guy. Like we all got to do this. When I say we all, mostly it's them. Nah, no. <laughs> I've got the best seat in the house. <laughs> hey, that's, but Hey, you're a part of that, part of that club. So, uh, and, and you have a role to play too. That early season matchup, so you guys get this early season matchup with UConn at Madison Square Garden. They're actually the number one team in the country at the time. And you guys take them down by 16. So how did that UConn game kind of change the energy within the team moving forward, as well as around the program as well? You know, you juxtapose our first season with a lot of the same guys where we go into a effectively a Thanksgiving Day kind of similar tournament. And we lose by whatever you said, 39 points to going in to play the number one team, win by 16, turn around. I think we played Texas Tech next and and beat them as well. And and that win, it wasn't, I mean, a 16-point win. I mean, we were we pretty well dominated the entire game. And I think leaving that game, it was like, okay, we we can play. I mean, we're in the garden. We can play, we can play with anybody. Um, of course we had to come up to ACC play and there's a long road ahead of us, no question about it. Um, but there was a lot of confidence and, uh, we realized that, you know, as a team, we could really you know, come together. And, you know, we talked a bit about, or I just mentioned, I should say your role on that team and you had a role to play, you know, everyone kind of does. And so you're a walk on, but you've also been there at this time. You're in your third season with the program. Um, Describe for us kind of your role on that particular team and kind of what you were kind of tasked to do. Yeah, early in in my career there, it was, you know, I'm scrapping like everyone else and I, I want to get a chance to to play. Certainly when Jarrett comes in at 6'3", incredible pro guard, you know, coach brings me in it's just saying, listen, you know, Jarrett's the pro. This team goes if Jarrett goes. And you know, how can we get him to a place where he's ready to go? And so, you know, being there with film and, you know, turns out Jared didn't need any help. I mean, Jared spent the time in the film room. Jared spent the time perfecting his craft. But, you know, my role, if you think about it, it's almost like I'm an extension of the coaching staff in a way um, because I am a player, but I- I'm watching it more like I'm a coach. I'm also not you know, running up and down the sidewalk line. So I'm kind of like watching it almost like an assistant coach and then have a direct line to a couple of the, you know, captains on the team just to say, Hey, here's a couple of things that I'm seeing, um, in, in talking through that. And so, you know, a, as a team, everyone's got to kind of contribute where they can. Yeah. And let's kind of, let's kind of fast forward through the season a little bit. Um, you guys end the regular season, you're fourth in the ACC. You guys are 22 and eight. You head into the ACC tournament. You take down North Carolina, but then you lose to Duke for the second time uh, on the season. But compared to past years, there was something different about that Duke game, right? Yeah, you know, we Duke Duke is is not a lot to like about Duke, but they are a incredibly difficult team to to play against and. In seasons before, I mean, there were times where, you know, when Jay Williams was there, it was like in that first five minutes, it's impossible to even just be able to get it past half court. You know, I mean, they would just punch you in the mouth in that 
first five minutes. And, and then if you could, if you could remain standing, you could actually stay in the game and play against them. But a lot of times, you know, you, it was hard to take that first punch. And so, and many teams, many teams couldn't. And so we had lost to Duke at home earlier in the season. We went to Cameron and played them, you know, there and, you know, same kind of style they had. And, but I think we, you know, we were doing more of the punching, I'd say, in that game. And and we, you know, game basketball is definitely a game of matchups. And the way our team matched up against Duke was um, was just different than it did in years past. I mean, we had a great point guard matching up to theirs. J.J. Redick, obviously, is an incredible phenom. We had two guys um, who were really long. I talked about them before, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, could defend kind of anybody up and down and, and could hang with him. And so there were just, I, we just matched up well, I think to that team. And so we beat them in Cameron and then we came and saw them in the ACC tournament and they beat us. And, but I, it just felt different then because I think as soon as we walked off the court, rather than in years past, maybe where it was like, God, we just got beat. Um, it was almost like, Hey, can we, can we just tip off again and do this one more time? Because it just felt like internally we knew we could beat these guys. And um, it certainly was a letdown in that, in that tournament that we didn't. And it was just like, gosh, if we just get another shot at these guys, we'll beat them. And so um, it, it was just different than, than times before. Gotcha. And so, you know, after that, that Duke loss, you guys head to the NCAA tournament, you're a three seed. You guys squeak by Northern Iowa. You get by Boston College and Nevada. These are all close games. Uh, you're on the doorstep of the Final Four. You're facing Kansas. Take us back to that game against the Jayhawks and what sticks out in your mind there. Yeah, going through the tournament, and you know, there was you asked a question earlier about you know what was what was my role and and kind of like what the makeup of of the team was. And, and I think about our team, and this is probably a terrible, nerdy uh, comparison, but, you know, think about our team kind of like, like the Avengers or something. Like, what would be, you know, who's the heart? And so, like, what's the personality? Like, who's the person? And our team, we, we had an injury very early in the season where uh, one of our guys dislocated his knee in practice. And, you know, we all go upstairs. It's terrible. And he's out. One of our big men, Theo, this Tarver. and Clarence Moore brings team together and is like, let's say a prayer. And then when we're done, he's like, Hey, can coach, can we, instead of saying together, can we say family from now on? And in, in the way our team, similar to like the, let's say like the Avengers, the Avengers have like a personality, like who's the guy, is it Captain America? Is it, you know, who it's, it's it could be Iron Man. It could be any different game, any different time. It could be someone else. It's similar to like a family, like what, the way we really like thought of ourselves. Um, you know, family has like, crazy personality. Sometimes it's the steady, calm, older brother, right? Or sometimes it's like the crazy uncle who's there who's adding energy. And I, I feel like our team that season and in that tournament and in basketball, you know, sometimes you got to win fast paced, high scoring games. And sometimes you got to win a slow, you know, defensive battle. Um, and it's sometimes it's going to be a high, you know, you're going to win by a lot. And sometimes you're gonna, it's going to be an absolute dogfight. And you, and we, really had a lot of different guys who stepped up in, in major ways at different times. Luke stepped up at a certain Marvin stepped up when, when he was needed, when BJ got hurt, you know, I think 
DJ got hurt in the Northern Iowa or game or something. I mean, he went down. He was our leading scorer. Um, uh, Will Bynum stepped up, but in the in the Jayhawks game, I mean, that was Jarrett's. I mean, Jarrett had been a star, at least certainly internally and in, in within the program, and maybe anyone that was close to the program saw Jarrett and and knew that he was a pro. But I think that game. The world knew that Jarrett was a pro. I mean, I think Jarrett put up 29 points, completely dominant, um, controlled the game. And we're playing basically in a home game for Kansas. I mean, I think they had 30,000 fans there or something. It was in St. Louis. It was like four hours or something. I mean, it was basically a home game for Kansas versus a team that was very strong. And Jarrett put the team on his back. And, and, and just brought it home. And I mean, all the way down to making final free throws. I mean, every single part of the game, he did it. And, and, you know, the one thing you can, you can see when you see when he plays the intensity that he has and the focus is just, I, I think everybody saw it then. Yeah. He goes for 29, nine and six, uh, 13 of 14 from the line. So, I mean, he is the epitome of the cool comic collected point guard in that game. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's no longer. I guess he's he's a he's a sophomore, right? At that time, yeah. um, and I think that was like okay. He's not a sophomore anymore, and you know, I, I just can't imagine thinking about you know all the other teams. Now the other teams in the ACC are preparing for him, you know, um, as a point guard going forward. I just, yeah. you know, he's just unbelievable. All right, so you guys, you know, at beating Kansas and OT, you guys are back in the Final Four. That's Tech for the first time since 1990, that really iconic Lethal Weapon 3 crew with Kenny Anderson and Dennis Scott. So what's the mood of the team heading into the Final Four game with Oklahoma State, and what was that experience like for you guys in San Antonio? Yeah, it's. It, I think the best way to describe it is is really just it's surreal. I mean, we're we're heading to the Final Four. We're playing basketball a lot longer than, you know, we have in the past. And and then we, you know, you would, you would normally think about, I mean, typically you're be done maybe a little bit after spring break, you get a little bit of a break and you go back to work. But, you know, this time it's just, just kind of like we're winning, you know, I was supposed to be thinking Denver at some senior design racing a paper snowboard down a mountain or something, but instead I get to be playing basketball, which is a lot better but, you know, we're winning these these tournaments. We win Cameron, we come home, and, and Tech's got – we've got a great fan base, um, and, and they're there to support us. But I'll tell you, when we're winning, you know, Atlanta is is basically, you know, behind us. You know, you've got this Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry down here in Georgia and Atlanta, but when we're that deep in the tournament and, and it just Atlanta, which is a largely Georgia place, it just surrounds Tech. And in basketball, everyone's getting behind us. And so – we're winning. We come home and typically, you know, you win a game, you fly home and you get home at like midnight or 11 PM or something. You got to wake up the next morning, go to class. But when we, when we pull the bus into the, to the Coliseum, I mean, there's, it's like pandemonium. There's like thousands of people just like surrounding the bus at like midnight when we're pulling in each time. And so it's just a crazy 
a crazy time, a super fun time. And uh, we were, I mean, we were all just kind of riding high, certainly going into the, into the final four. You know, in, in that final four game, you guys play Oklahoma state. Luke has a big game. He goes for 19 points and 12 boards, but the game comes down to the closing seconds. And, you know, this is all on YouTube. People can watch it. John Lucas hits a three to tie the game at 65. There's 26 seconds left. There's a timeout. Take us into the tech huddle and what happened after that. Yeah, we get into the huddle. And, you know, so BJ has, has been hurt earlier. He got hurt earlier in the in the tournament. He's one of our leading scorers, our leading scorer. And, you know, you look around. And, and again, Luke's having a big game. Marvin's hit a bunch of shots and has had big games for us to lead us. Jarrett just got off, you know, 29 point game. And so you look around and, and will, you know, generally speaking throughout this, the year has been coming off the bench. And so it's just kind of an interesting, like you look around a huddle and, and who are they going, who are we going to, who's going to be the guy. And, um, you know, will had done it for us in Nevada against the Nevada in the Nevada game where, um, he makes an up and under shot um, after he drives baseline. And so coach is in the huddle. He looks around and, and he says, "Will you're going to have the ball at the top of the key. I want you to come off a screen and, and look for your shot. If you don't have it, kick it. Um, so we can get another open shot. Cause will generally can, you know, get in, um, break it, break a defender down, draw the defense and he could kick it to, you know, we've got a lot of great shooters, certainly in Marvin Lewis or Jared around the, around the wing. So, you know, it's like, look for your shot. Now, Will, you know, what, I mean, this guy is, I don't know if anyone has more confidence than, than Will Bynum. I mean, he is literally the same, same size as, as me. And not, well, uh, big dude in terms of height, but he's <laughs> not, not anything else, nothing else. I mean, I, th- he was on like a limited workout routine because he couldn't put on too much weight. I mean, the guy, comes in the, the first time we met meet will will comes in and we play pickup and i got a lot of pickup story games but we're playing pickup and will doesn't play he's on like a recruiting trip he doesn't play he's in his jeans and in boots and we're all playing thinking he's going to play with us and it's like the heck who is this guy the ball rolls out we're all done rolls out the half court will tosses the ball up in the air runs in catches it windmill dunks the ball in his like tim's and rolls the ball to half court, looks at all of us. Again, he's smaller than everybody. He's a 5'9 Mack truck. <laughs> yeah. Looks at everybody and goes, I just want to let you guys know I can play. And it was like, all right. Um, and so, but Will's just got confidence. I mean, in the Nevada game, I think he said after the game, something that basically um, it's the end of the game. And he said, he got the ball, he drives baseline up and under, makes it, I think he gets fouled as well. And afterwards, I asked him about it, and he says, well, I missed a shot earlier in the game. I knew I had to make it up, and I was going to make the next one. And it's like, you know, other guys miss a shot, and it's kind of in their head, right? And they're like, I don't know if I'll make the next one. You, you get a little tentative. I mean, there's no – he's not tentative. And, and Will says at the end of this game, so he comes off the screen, striving to the basket. Will does not have a shot. Like, like the coach is like, look for your shot. If it's open, take it. If you get – you know, if you're getting jammed, kick it. Well, it's a green light for him. Yeah. <laughs> to him, he was like, and this is what he says after the game. He says, coach told me, you know, 
that, that I was getting the ball and everybody on the team looked around and said, Will, you got this. And he goes, I felt like the team was looking to me. And he goes, that, he was saying like, this just shows you how unselfish of a team we were because there were four guys there that probably wanted to take the shot, but they looked at Will and said, yeah, Will, you got this. And, and he's like, I felt like I had to, and there was no way I was going to miss. And it was, so he's going in thinking I'm shooting no matter what, and I'm not missing. And so he, he takes it in, he doesn't have a shot somehow um, is able to get a shot up, which is, which is crazy for, you know, a five, eight, five, nine guy to, you know, get into the lane like that and just manufacture a shot. I mean, it's different when you're six, six and you can get up and, you know, get a, I mean, but he's, he manufactures a shot, he makes it. And um, thankfully, you know, they didn't, they didn't heave it or anything else changed it, but uh, they heaved a shot, missed it. And we won. And it was just, it was just incredible. You know, and then in, in the other final four game, you guys see UConn beat Duke 79, 78. And though you had beaten UConn earlier in the season, and you had just lost to Duke. We talked about how that that game felt a little bit different. Like you guys wanted to see them a game, so you guys were actually disappointed that you didn't get that quick rematch with Duke, right? Yeah, I mean, and I, this probably sounds a bit trite or something because it's we've got the we've got the hindsight, right? We didn't win the we we didn't win the championship game, and so looking back on it, I'm, I'm sure it probably could sound different, but I will say in, in all honesty, and it wasn't like an outward, we were all like beating the drum. Hey, let's have Duke win. But we watched the game certainly. And there was definitely an air of we really wanted Duke. And, and the reason is, you know, you think about a lot of sports and certainly basketball, think about like rubber matches and other things. I mean, we had beat UConn handily and, and, you know, it's just like you got to go up against them again. You know they're going to be coming for you. Um, and Ben Gordon, the Mecca Okafor, just got better and better and better all year long. And, I mean, they were just an incredible team. And so it was like uh, – and BJ was hurt. Um, and so, you know, thinking about Duke, we played Duke three times. We played Duke, you know – 10 more times before that, you know, or I guess it'd been four more, four or six more times before that in the years leading up to this. I mean, we knew that Duke team in and out. Right. Um, and from a matchup perspective, we just matched up really well to them. And so, you know, when they lost, it, it wasn't like, you know, we were crying or anything and sad that we didn't get Duke because Duke is an amazing team of course, and they had beaten us twice in the year. So it wasn't like a guaranteed win. It just, Felt like we knew we could match up against those guys. Um, and then, you know, but, but we got UConn and, and we had beaten them, you know, by 16 before. So we knew we could. And so we didn't go in thinking, oh gosh, we're going to lose. But it would have been, you know, we, we definitely had a little bit of probably had, had, we had Duke's number a little bit more. Yeah. And we owed them one because they beat us in the tournament. So we owed, in this case, UConn owed us. Yeah. And, you know, you get into that championship game and there's this thing where the college basketball spotlight, it's not on any other games. Like there's one college basketball spotlight and it's a real big one on your team, on this game, on UConn. Did you guys feel that internally, that that kind of sense of the lights are getting bigger and brighter and it's just on you guys now? Yeah, it's, you know, it definitely your your senses are are heightened. Everything comes into clearer focus. I mean, you've got a lot of former players 
from the program around. I mean, I think John Sally gave a, you know, uh, a speech before we went into the game. I mean, you can, there is a, there's a, it's, there's a lot of excitement. There's an incredible amount of, of pressure. There's, there's pressure on, you know, teams trying not to come out and play tight or tentative. And um, so it's, there's, it, there's, there's a ton of pressure. I mean, you think about it, you win this game, you, you're, you're the champion and you're going to go meet the president or something. I mean, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge game and a huge stage. Georgia Tech had never won before. Yeah, we've gotten to the to the farthest, and and now you know we're certainly celebrated by Tech as being the the team that went the the farthest. But golly, it'd be nice if you were the the team that won it all. And that's kind of what we're thinking going in. So we certainly understand kind of the magnitude and the stage that um, that the team's on. Yeah, and you know, I mean. It's a tough one for you guys because UConn again, Okafor, Gordon. This is this is a legit team. They they race off to a seventeen point halftime lead. They largely control the game and they ultimately win by nine. When you think back on that national title game, what memory sticks out with you? So you you watch a game like that where we've and we've played leading up to this a lot of really close games. And in some of the games that we played that were close. We may have been leading by a good bit, then we kind of gave up the lead, or or it was close the whole way. In this game, in that first half, you kind of just early on saw it slipping away. You know, BJ really wasn't just couldn't really go on his ankle uh, the way you know the way where he was. Um, the Luke got into some foul trouble early um, on a couple of just fouls, and then you're watching it as you go into halftime and it's like, you can see there's moments within the game where, you know, if you don't give up that turnover and if you had made a bucket that had been, you know, there's a four point swing there, or we knocked down a couple of the free throws that we missed, you know, it would have been within, you know, could we have cut it to 12 or 10? And I think if we would have been in that range, there's a game, but when we went in, at 17, it's just, you know, just a couple points slot, you know, just, it's, it's, it feels like inches, but you just see it slipping, you know? Um, and, and, and you're watching a great team. I mean, that was a, a, a very good UConn team that, that beat us. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you know, you're so close to it, right. You know, um, but you walk off the court that Monday night, you know, there's gotta be a winner. There's gotta be a loser. Fortunately for you guys, you know, UConn, walks away with champs that night. Um, and for you, that's it. That's the end of your career. You've had this four-year journey at Tech, you know, three years on the team, but that's the end of your career. So what did you take away from your experience as a Tech player, especially one a part of this team that played for national title? Yeah, I think there's, you know, I don't think you ever want, you don't ever wish failure upon yourself or your kids or anybody. Um, but there's, incredible learning that that comes from that there's incredible learning that we had when we you know two years before lost a lot of games um but then ultimately had the success to get to the final four so just sitting there and looking back and 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 watching what you know struggle is and then what hard work can do and and the success that you can have and then what it means to come together with a group that is is a family and and believes in each other and isn't selfish and isn't 
looking out for themselves and, and is willing to like um, carry your brother when they need it and, and be carried when, when you need it. Uh, you learn just a ton from that. And then despite knowing how big of a stage that it is, it isn't, you know, then you lose and you're like, and then you really realize like, oh man, like we were again, free throws away or, you know, 10 points away. I mean, it was certainly we lost by nine or we were at 17 at one point. It was like, but man, if it was, there were, there were moments where you're like, you're so like, holy cow, like you're not going to get back to get that. You don't, you'll never get, you don't get second chances. You people get second chances, but you don't really get when, when there's a moment you need to, you know, go after it with everything with a tenacity that, um, is just, is, is different. And so there, there really isn't time. So then I start to think back to when Jarrett was in there, and Will were in there at 3 a.m. working out. And it was like, that's what got us here. And, and you need to do it for another hour so that you, when you have that opportunity against UConn, it doesn't slip away. And so, you know, I've learned that through that experience. I've learned it, you know, through, through other experiences in work of what it really takes to win and um, to be on top and that, you know, every moment here is fleeting and you need to like go after it. Like you never have another chance. Yeah. Well, important words there, man. So before we get out of here, David, let's go like Tark's running rebels and do some run and gun to close us out. All right. So uh, let's just some rapid fire questions here. The coolest arena you guys played in. This is such a hard one. It's kind of an easy one for me. It's uh, the Carrier Dome. Just, you know, I grew up there, saw it and loved it. Loved um, Syracuse basketball. So playing there, I actually made a three-pointer there because we got beat so badly. Um, silver line. So, <laughs> yeah, silver line. So so that was awesome. But, I mean, look, we played Madison Square Garden. That was, I mean, and, and, and I will say to answer this question, though, it almost kind of depends on, like, at what point so you asked like which one to play so playing you know playing at Syracuse but I'll tell you going in some of these like going into um where Tar Heels are and going in like Dean Smith going in when game lights are on nobody's there like you go in for a pregame shoot around nobody's there the game lights are on so it's dark in the stands the lights are on the, the court and you're standing in there just your team nobody else and it's quiet maybe you hear the first basketball dribble and you look up and you see like, you know, everything that they've got, Michael Jordan's jerseys hanging in the rafters. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know? So it kind of depends um, at what point, you know, it is, but there were some really cool moments just like in a pregame shoot around when nobody's there, it's quiet. Um, maybe with one basketball bouncing in some of these courts. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that's one of the cool things about being in the ACC in particular is you get to go to these really iconic venues and things like that. Uh, wildest opposing fans. Yeah, no doubt that, you know, Duke and NC state, I mean, there are some pretty serious and, in, in, in the uh, Cameron crazies are beating the drum, no doubt for, for coach Krzyzewski, but I will say some of the wildest opposing fans, I don't know why, but it just seems like Maryland's fans. I mean, the some of the I would say Duke has a, a very intense but clean approach to uh, to to uh, um, you know being against the other team. I mean, I think I got made fun of for being half Nelson or something because um, we had another Nelson that was full Nelson or whatever. You know, I'd get 
they, they'll they're they are pretty witty uh whereas maryland's is i'd say a little more raw um and uh and, and pretty intense let's talk about duke really quick the duke mystique is it real you talked it, about it, it earlier it, like you got to survive the first five minutes with them but I mean, when you yeah, go into it, cameron do you feel like all right this is this is not just this is a different game yeah, you're kind of in this like mecca of basketball almost. I mean, I know that's the garden, but there, it's a little different for college basketball, I'd say. And it's, um, it's uh, you know, Coach K has done something there where he just had they're, – they're, they are in. You know, they're all in, and they're all in from the tip. And, and then when you're playing that team and the teams that we played against, there were – I mean, there were times where I think we had four possessions and we didn't get across half court. I mean – and, and there is a, literally when, when you get started, it, they're going to hit you with everything. And if you can survive it, you can survive. I think, um, you don't always survive. I think when we beat them, they had like 41 game win streak at home. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, and so, you know, it is, it's, it's difficult. I mean, even to the point of there was a time when we were at the free throw line, I think coach K was walking up and down the, the, the sidelines, you know, encouraging the fans to like scream louder as if it could get any louder, you know, while we're, um, while we're shooting a free throw. So it's just, it, it's real. Yeah. You know, and I've been in those stands and I, I have heard a Duke run and been like, Oh my, I can't hear my thoughts right now. And like, it's it, like, it's, I mean, I don't even remember. What is it? It's like, it's, it's, it's a small gym. It's like a high exactly. school. It's like a, when, it's like high a big school high school gym. gym. Yeah. When you're yeah. in it, I, I think it, it's in it. I know that when I've gone to Duke, I was like, this is it. Like you yeah. see Cameron, but when you it's see Cameron from the outside, when you see Cameron from the outside, you're like, is this like science labs? Like it looks like any other building on campus. And then you yeah. go inside. It's like just kind of a big high school gym. And you're like, it is, is but the walls are shaking, man, when they're in yeah. there and jumping around. And I mean, the energy and, and a lot of that comes probably from the fact that it is so small and compact and, but it is, it's rocking. You know, um, but it's it's small. Yeah, you're like, this is it. You know, well, especially um, when you compare it against something like the Carrier Dome, which is so cool. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, like, I think one of my first games of the Carrier Dome when I was a kid. You know, my the it was like Syracuse Georgetown overtime, and and I think my dad got the last seat in the. You know, I'm like, you're like thirty thousand. I'm like, I'm like, they make seats this far away, Dad. You know, and I'm like standing on a thing, and you're looking down, you can barely see anything, but it's just. So it's just totally different. Like that's what I grew up thinking. Uh, I mean, I was going to almost like a small college football game um, in in watching basketball. So it's just very different. Yeah. In terms of your most impressive opponents, I'm curious about a guy you saw. You're like, all right, man. I've seen good players. I saw Chris Bosh. You know, I saw I played with Jared Jack. I saw the Duke guys. I saw the UNC guys. This dude. This dude's from another planet. So who was the most impressive opponent you saw up front? Yeah, there's there's definitely a couple that come to mind. I mean, Jay Williams was unbelievably impressive um, playing against us, and just and, and maybe from a point guard's perspective, watching our point guard go up against him, who I thought our point guard was really good. You know, it's just like wow. Um, but I'll tell you, Carmelo Anthony. I think we lost like by an equal margin in Syracuse, like thirty nine or something, thirty points in in Syracuse, and he and a freshman. You know, when we saw Jay Williams, he was, he was older than, I mean, this, this is a freshman who is, and think back to the conversations we had about Chris Bosch being a freshman. It was hard for us to get him the ball. I mean, this guy just dominated and they, I mean, he dominated to the point of 
the whole team was successful and they went and won a national championship and, and, and they put it on us um, when we were there. And he was just, he was very impressive. All right. Teammate of Chris Bosch for one season. What's your favorite Chris Bosch memory? You know, I, it's, there's so many memories of, you know, things that he did on the court that were just incredible. But I'll say that, that one, the first time, I think it's just the first time I ever saw him and just like where my jaw dropped to. And it's like, I don't normally get that impressed by people, you know, and it's not like a fanboy to many people, I would say. Um, but when, when I saw him that first time, it was like, I just met somebody that was very different than other people that I've ever met. And so, I mean, I think that, I think his, um, just how I'd say humble and funny and like nice of a guy he is. Cause like you meet him and you see him do that and you're like, okay. And then you turn around and you're like, this is like the nicest dude I've ever met. You know what I mean? Like he didn't, (laughs) he like, I don't know. You don't normally run into guys that are that talented that don't have like some sort of chip or ego or, I mean, he just truly was like really good dude. Um, And then, and then, and then he's the best guy on the team and he's working harder than harder than everybody else. And so you're just like, wow, it's just that he's a really impressive guy. Yeah. Well, let's lend it there, David, and let you get on with your day. Appreciate joining us here on the 1999 podcast. Yeah, Chucker, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, great to talk, Georgia Tech Hoops. And thanks, of course, to David Nelson for sharing some tales from the bench. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Visit 199.com for some of the flyest college basketball gear around. And subscribe to our podcast for more shows celebrating basketball history and culture. Until next time, this is the Chucker signing off. <laughs>